Hendrickson. So even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. One day, down in Alabama, with its vicious racists, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification, one day right there in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. shall be made low, the rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope. This is the faith that I go back to the South with. With this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. This will be the day, this will be the day with all of God's children be able to sing with new meaning, my country tears of thee. Sweet land of liberty of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. And so let freedom ring. From the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire, let freedom ring. 
from the mighty mountains of New York. Let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the crevacious slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and mole hill of Mississippi, from every mountainside. Let freedom ring, and when this happens, and when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. You know, one of the reasons that I play that every single year is because when you hear what he actually said, it's anti-woke, it's anti-BLM, it's anti-leftist. Everything that was said in that speech was the exact opposite of what is said by so-called civil rights leaders now. The exact opposite. And just over the weekend, too, read another article about another school that was going to segregate students based on race just over the weekend. Something that the left has been pushing for a number of years now. The exact and total opposite of all of the progress that was made. When you play it, you kind of get an idea of what he was actually talking about. Now, that's just a portion of the entire speech. It's not the entire thing. It's just the the part that everybody references back to, but there's more to it. What did you hear there that would be supportive of BLM? What did you hear there that would be supportive of separate but equal being promoted today as a modern-day safe space for racial justice? What did you hear there that would support critical race theory? What did you hear there that would support ESG? Nothing. Yet they will go out there and they will try and say that MLK would be on their side. Of course, he wouldn't be. He'd probably be much more on the side of a Larry Elder today than he would be BLM or anybody else. But when you listen to what he says, you're able to actually get that. Whereas, you know, what what will happen is everybody will say, you know, oh, on the anniversary of of uh, Martin Luther King, ML King Day, we celebrate him and his legacy, and we still have a lot of work to go, and, and there's these groups like Black Lives Matter, they're trying to make it better. They just can't get, get much better past those racist white people, which is the exact opposite. First of all, it's the opposite of the truth, but it's the exact opposite that he would, he would actually call for and that he would want. And then we have to deal with this. Now, I'm just going to let you know 
If you got kids in the car, I'm going to get slightly mature only because of the title of this, this article. And there might be some mature themes dealing with this statue that was unveiled. I'm, I'm just letting you know. I, I'm going to do my best to PG-13-ish, maybe PG. But I feel that it is important to read you the title of this actual article. It was written... A couple of days ago. And I'm sure that you've seen the statue that was unveiled to honor Martin Luther King. It was supposed to be a statue about you know him and, and Coretta Scott King's embrace. That's not what it looks like. So Seneca Scott wrote an article for Compact Magazine. A masturbatory homage to my family. Youch. And when you see the statue, and I know that it went viral over the weekend, and I'm sure that many of you saw the statue that was unveiled in Boston, it is, well, it's an insult. To put it plainly, to put it mildly, it is an absolute and total insult. You realize the last two big unveilings of things to honor Martin Luther King have directly insulted him? So this thing here, which looks like, at its best angle, a giant turd. On its worst angle, it looks like a sexual act. The last statue, Martin Luther King, was made Asian. A lot of angst and and complaining about that, and rightfully so, because he did. I mean... He looked eight. I actually looked at it live on the air. I remember hearing about it because, like, okay, is it really this bad? We're just going to do this reaction together. And we saw it. He's like, oh, son of a gun. He, he doesn't look like a black guy. He certainly doesn't look like himself. He looked Asian. So the last two big unveilings to honor Martin Luther King have been direct insults to him. I want to go over this, this article here from Seneca Scott. In Compact Magazine, just ripping this statue in Boston that was unveiled before Martin Luther King Day. And I'm going to go through pieces of it. Uh, it's it's not that long. It's very, very, very short. We'll go through that. And then, you know, some people asked me some questions about this today. I thought they were pretty good questions. And I think I have an answer for you. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Casey Hendrickson, your breaking news and weather station. Hey, can I tell you about fivestarpainting.com? If you're looking for a great way to upgrade your home, get it painted. Whether it's the outside, the inside, a room, the entire inside, or maybe just your kitchen cabinets to go ahead and redo your kitchen, that can add a dramatic alteration to your home. Go to fivestarpainting.com, mention me. You get free paint with your next project. They'll have a free, you know, free uh, color consultation. So if you haven't decided what your color choices are going to be, They can help you with that. There's obviously a free consultation, whether you need color consultations or not. And they have a project manager that will be there to inspect the project before and after the work is taken care of to make sure that it's done the right way before they pack up and leave so that way you're happy with the project. Fivestarpainting.com. Mention me. Get free paint with your next project. Seneca, Seneca Scott wrote this article. And this is about the statue in Boston. By now, I'm sure you've seen it, the new Boston sculpture, quote, honoring Dr. Martin Luther King and his wife, Coretta Scott King, looks more like a pair of hands hugging a beefy uh, male anatomical 
imagery. <laughs> then a special moment shared by the iconic couple. Created by the organization Embrace Boston, the sculpture was inspired, has inspired mad jokes on Twitter, and rightly so. But for my family, it's rather insulting. You see, Coretta was my first cousin, my grandfather's niece, and the daughter of my great uncle, Obadiah Scott. Martin Mar- married Martin married up. Coretta came from a distinguished family with a significant legacy in her own right. There is a reason that she kept the Scott name. We were a black family that owned land, lots of it. Martin knew what he was doing when he pursued her, signaling intentions to marry from the outset. After his assassination, Coretta created a legacy of her own, fighting for health care workers and against apartheid in South Africa. $10 million were wasted to create a masturbatory metal homage to my legendary family members, one of the all-time greatest American families. Still, the Boston debacle could be a blessing in disguise by exposing the insidiousness of astroturf woke movements that have come to dominate black America. How could anyone fail to see that this was a major uh, D-word move, pun intended, that brings very few, if any, tangible benefits to struggling black families? Ten million bucks this thing cost? What could ten million dollars do for the homeless in Boston? What could $10 million do for the inner city in Boston? Consider this our Declaration of Independence, declares the Embrace Boston website. What does that even mean? Black families in America who need help don't care for more woke slogans. They need jobs that pay the bills and keep up with food and energy costs that are rising faster than ever before for most of us. Building expensive, stupid new statues with no faces on them and tearing down others for no good reason are part of the same performative altruism and purity pageants that are mainstays of the woke left. So now, Boston has a big bronze male anatomical image that's supposed to represent black love at its purest and most devotional. This is no accident. The woke algorithm is racist and classist. Therefore, Its programming will always produce things that harm black and poor people. This sculpture is an especially egregious example of the woke machine's callousness and vanity. Hopefully, it will show more black people that these progressives just aren't in this for our benefit. Now, that is Seneca Scott, okay, a direct descendant of Coretta Scott King. And... The first picture that I saw, I I was initially thinking, when I saw it on social media over the weekend, I was like, this is not real. There's no way that this is real. And then, of course, my normal brain came back and said, yes, Casey, you already know that this is real. Now you need to go down the rabbit hole and see the statue from all angles. The best angle of the statue looks like it's holding a giant piece of poo. That's the best angle of the statue. The worst angles of the statue show various other things, uh, one of which was described in this particular article by Seneca Scott. Uh, There is the initial reaction, the first photo that was released to the public, which appeared to be another sexual act. And part of that is you just got, you know, 
limbs kind of everywhere, and it doesn't make any sense. Now, when you see the picture that this is supposed to be modeled after, you can kind of, sort of, very, very strugglingly kind of get what they were trying to go for. But it's only after you see the original image. Why not just make the image or the statue look like the image? Why not? Why not just take it, you know, cut them both off at the waist and have them doing that embrace from the photo? Why? Why did the last Martin Luther King statue have to look like he was Asian instead of looking like himself? Why? Now, you have to ask yourself, are these accidents or are they just hiring people that frankly aren't qualified? I don't know. There seems to be a lot of very high profile statues, not just of MLK, but of others where the the company that was hired to produce the art didn't make the art look like the subject. Perhaps the person who did this sculpture can't do faces. I don't know. But regardless, it's a giant steaming pile of garbage is what it is. And somebody came up to me today is like, what what are they thinking? Like, how how do you get this out of that photograph? And I was reminded of something, and I will remind you because I have to say this ad nauseum. If you go back to the 1950s, in the 1950s, there's a book that was written by Cleon Skousen. It's called The Naked Communist. Now, in that, he has the 45 communist goals. These are goals that people at the FBI were able to identify that the Soviets wanted to do in order to advance communism in the West, particularly in the United States. Communist goal number 22. Continue discrediting American culture by degrading all form of artistic expression. It goes on to explain that an American communist cell was told to, and I quote, eliminate all good sculpture from parks and buildings and substitute shapeless, awkward, and meaningless forms. This is a shapeless, awkward, and meaningless form. Go to the parks in Michiana. Seriously, doesn't matter what side of the border. Go to the parks in Michiana that have statues. What are they? Shapeless, awkward, meaningless forms. As art. That's all they are. Communist goal 23. Control art critics and directors of art museums. Quote, our plan is to promote ugliness, repulsive, meaningless art. Well, goal achieved. Think about, with the exception of, we have what, one park here with a piece of uh, the World Trade Center, right, John? With the exception of that, think about the artwork that is at the various parks around here. For those of you who are listening in other states, what about the artwork at your parks? Are, are any of them just like actual art? We've got one park here with a, with a statue that honors, uh, is it the Civil War? Yeah, Civil War, right? Around the river, John? Yeah, Civil War. So we got one statue that honors the Civil War. We've got a piece of the World Trade Center at another park. And then we have a bunch of shapeless, meaningless, ugly pieces of art. Just complete abstracts. So you start looking for 
meaningful art in public squares. And what you inevitably seem to find is that, oh, yeah, we just, you know, we just drew something up and we went ahead and made a statue out of it. This one is much more egregious in that it was supposed to specifically represent this photograph. And it it doesn't. It looks like somebody who just started with with clay putting something together. It it looks terrible. And furthermore, the color choice for the statue really does make make it look like at one point it's holding a giant piece of poo. It's not a great statue at all. It doesn't do anything for the legacy of Martin Luther King or Coretta Scott King or or their relationship or their respective accomplishments as individuals or as a couple. It doesn't do anything but promote repulsive, shapeless, meaningless art. That's all it does. MNC News Time is 3.32. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that last a lifetime. This is Michiana's Breaking News and Weather State. Casey Hendrickson. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Hopefully, you had yourself some awesome new windows from Fabersby Window when you saw the first images of the MLK statue in Boston because, no doubt, you screamed. And you probably didn't want your neighbors to hear you scream because, you know, the cops get called. It's a whole thing. But, um, yeah, noise pollution is a bit of a problem. I personally don't like hearing my neighbors And so I like having good insulation just so I'm not constantly hearing what's happening outside, interrupting me, that sort of thing. And and most people want some privacy about what's happening inside their house. They don't want people to be walking by and being able to listen in for various reasons. I don't judge. I mean, I do, but I don't I don't do it publicly most of the time. I will silence in a silent way. I will judge you. But it's your privacy. Noise pollution is a big problem. Yes, new windows are going to be more energy efficient. Yes, new windows are going to help you with your power bill, both in the winter and the summer months. But also, it really is that noise pollution, being able to keep those exterior noises out so you can sleep or you can hear the TV and you're not bothered by the things that are happening out there, um, and also privacy for you and your family. Go to Faber's B Window. Right now, the extended B Energy Savings event is happening. All products are up to 50% off, plus $2,000 B Instant Energy Savings credit up to, and up to $1,100 in 2023 federal energy tax credits are all available at Favors B Window online right now at bwindow.com. Set up a free consultation today, and of course, let them know that I sent you. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about the ATF. I know that a lot of you, A lot of you are furious about this, and the ATF basically turned a bunch of you into felons overnight. So let's take a look at this. Uh, U.S. Department of Justice has announced that it has submitted its final rule to address stabilizing braces, accessories used to convert pistols into short-barreled rifles for publication in the Federal Register. The January 13th announcement does not say when the 293-page rule will be published. Um, It is important to note that the last time a move like this was done, the court struck it down, okay? It took a while to get there, but the courts did strike it down. I, You know, it's entirely possible that they will strike this down, too. Uh, The other thing is you do have Republicans in the House of Representatives. Uh, I did listen to Matt Gaetz. He was on with uh, Tim Pool. Really good interview, by the way. If if you want to get some inside baseball on what was happening on the floor of the House— 
during the speaker vote, Matt Gates uh, spent over an hour on Tim Pool's podcast explaining all of it, but also going over the rule changes, what this means, um, that sort of thing. He addressed what he and, and AOC were talking about, since some of you were convinced that there was a giant conspiracy, but uh, he did address specifically what they were talking about. It was very informative. A lot of, lot of very good information came out of that interview. So if you have some time, I would sit down for uh, Tim Pool's podcast and listen to Matt Gates. It just happened, I think, just last week. So very, very good interview. Um, but the last time that, that this happened, I mean, it did get overturned by a court. It's just that there was a lot of lives that got kind of messed with in the meantime. So expect the same. They did talk about defunding the ATF. Matt Gates is for it. They did talk about getting rid of the rid of the NFA. Matt Gates did talk about that. Uh, he doesn't think it'll happen, but there are there's also some court cases that are happening right now that may force that. So it all just depends. Right now, it's still in play. The rule allows for a 120 day period for manufacturers, dealers, and individuals to register tax free. Any existing NFA short-barreled rifles covered by the rule. So this is the this is the announcement on there. So you got 120 days to register for free. Okay. Virginia-based gun owners of America released a statement condemning the action and decrying what it called the Biden administration's latest assault on the Second Amendment rights of gun owners. This administration continues to find new ways to attack gun owners, and this time their target is brace-equipped firearms that allow persons with disabilities to safely and effectively use pistols. This is what these devices are intended for. Do some other people get creative with them? Sure, but this is what these devices are intended for, for people with disabilities to be able to own and use a firearm. We will continue to work with our industry partners to to amplify the disapproving voices in the firearms industry and the Gun Owners Foundation. Our sister legal arm will be filing suit in the near future. That is according to Eric Pratt, the gun owner of America's senior vice president. Um, he wrote that in an announcement right after the ruling. Uh, the new rule states that in the past, owners of the pistol braces violated federal firearms laws unwittingly. This rule gives them 120 days from publication in the federal registrar to register, destroy, or turn in their newly outlawed firearms. It is a shame that so many of you own leaky boats. The, the amount of boat accidents where you lose your valuables, I hear, is at near epidemic levels. And I'm very sorry to hear that so many of you are having so many of these catastrophic boat sinking incidents. The rule waives any taxes or fees for registering firearms during the 120 days. The number of Americans impacted by the new rule is difficult to determine. By the way, I don't even think that they can process the amount of registrations in 120 days. If everybody, okay, I'm just saying, if if everybody had a functioning boat that didn't sink and they wanted to register, I don't think they have the manpower or the capacity to register all of them in 120 days anyway. I don't think that's possible. You know how many people have these braces? I, I just, I don't believe it. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't believe it. The ATF estimates that 3 million pistol braces have been sold I'm sorry, that's way underselling that. <laughs> Even if it was 3 million, 120 days, not enough time to register them. 
The Gun Owners of America and Second Amendment advocates put the number closer to 40 million, which seems much more plausible if you ask me. Uh, so the ATF is out there going, yeah, yeah, we can, yeah, we can register 3 million of these pistol braces in 120 days. Sure. They can't, they can't, I don't think you could, but I also don't think it's 3 million. It's much closer to 40 million. At issue is a device introduced in 2012 to assist shooters with disabilities and others who may need help shooting pistol, uh, pistols built on the AR 15 platform. The stabilizing brace attaches to the rear of the pistol and the shooter's forearm. This allows the shooter a steadier aim while holding the pistol with one hand. Okay? Why do you need to hold the pistol with one hand? What if you don't have another hand? In 2014, the ATF received requests from the law enforcement and firearms dealers about the possible reclassification of pistols equipped with stabilizers and short barrel rifles under the NFA. Those who contacted the ATF were concerned that the brace would be used as a stock, allowing the shooter to shoulder the pistol like a rifle. Look, the only here's the easiest way to just resolve this entire thing. Legalize short-barreled rifles because outlawing them is stupid. Ain't that hard. I know there's a bunch of leftists out there who have no idea what that even is or why I would say that. They're very confused. But if you just allow short-barreled rifles, this isn't even an issue. Uh, since then, the ATF has issued several open letters stating the braces did not change pistols into short-barreled rifles because they don't. However, the new rule said that changes in the braces design and information disseminated on how to use them make clear that the items turn pistols into prohibited SBRs. For these reasons, the DOJ must amend the regulatory definition of rifle. The new rule reads, okay, well... I don't know. Maybe it's just me. We should probably stop letting, you know, a law that was written in 1934 to be crudely amended to allow them to basically just take anything from you that they want. How about that? So for the the members of Congress who might be listening, especially the new member in the second district, which I have full confidence, by the way, that he opposes this. But yeah, this this is the type of stuff that needs to stop. So I fully expect that this is going to lose in court, but there's going to be a period of time where, you know, it's going to go and probably going to go into effect and you have to make the best decision that you can make. And hopefully uh, you have enough money in the bank account to patch the holes in your boat and you don't have any boating accidents with a tragic loss of all of your Second Amendment gear. Because uh, I hate seeing people lose thousands of dollars in equipment that way because it's, uh, it's very important stuff. Plus, it's an environmental hazard when it all goes to the bottom of the, the river, right? Right. So just, you know, get some flex tape, patch the holes in the bottom of your boat. The TV commercials say the flex tape works on that. Uh, although anybody's actually attempted to do it has had their boat sink. But just listen to the commercial. Flex tape will seal the seal the boat up just just fine. Just have all of your gun equipment on there. And, and when you when it sinks to the bottom of the river, I'm, I'm very sorry for your loss. More coming up. Newstalk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel. Casey Hendrickson, your breaking news and weather station. If only there were a device that you could purchase and get home that would allow you to, you know, make braces and stuff. So if you were disabled and things hit the fan, you could actually exercise your Second Amendment rights. You got some people calling in right now. Just give John a moment to go ahead and uh, screen it. We'll take those phone calls here in a minute. 574-2595-953. That is 2595 
nine five three. But uh, <laughs> oh man, it's yeah. It, look, it it is what it is. You know, it's probably going to go to the courts. It'll probably get overturned. But that's it, it is what it is. Um, nonetheless, you know, you still have you have to adhere to the law while it's in place. But I do expect it to be overturned. But it'll take some time. The bump stock thing got overturned here recently. But you know, look how long the bump stock ban took for it to happen. You know, we're talking about uh, what three, four years, something like that. Probably like four years for that thing to get overturned. So just a consideration there. All right, to the phone lines we go. Andrew, welcome to the program. Hey, Casey, how's it going? It's going well, man. What's up? Uh, not a whole lot, just uh, in machining world right now. So, quick question. Yeah. How do they know that we have this object? I bought my pistol. It is registered as a pistol. It did not come with a brace when I purchased it. Right. How, how does this work? Are they going to... Am I a felon because I own this object, or how how is this working? That is a great question. Here's here's why what what Andy is saying is is pretty interesting. So you've got the gun, the gun is its own entity. Then you have the brace, that's its own entity. Is merely owning the brace with it not being attached to the gun enough for it to be an SBR? Or can you own the brace and own the gun, but never marry the two of them together and be just fine? How does that work? And if you're going, right. Remember when I told everybody how they were going to beat the, um, beat the 80% lower law. (laughs) It's one, this is one of those things, Andy, where it's like "Mm, language here is going to be kind of important. It's very important. Like I have a, I have a pistol brace on one of my 16-inch barreled rifles because I just like how it is. So mm-hmm. it's I I do not see how how this works. I I'm I'm totally confused how they're gonna incriminate people. It's not a gun; it's an object. Right. Right now, it's just a hunk of plastic. Right. For exactly. Mo- most of them are hunks of plastic. I'm sure there's some aluminum ones right. out there, but um, yes. And, and that you know, how do you say that that is an SBR and therefore you have to, so, I mean, I theoretically, this is a good question. You know what? I have to get the armed attorneys on because I like them anyway. This would probably be a really good question for them because if it's not attached to the gun, how can you say it's an SBR? There's no mechanical functionality at all with the, with the brace. So it would have to be attached to the firearm itself for the firearm to be considered an SBR merely having a piece of plastic. I don't think would, would be one. So this is, I, I'm, first of all, the firearm industry is going to find a way around this. It'll take them no time at right. all to do it. Um, just like with the 80% lower thing, the way that the language was, it was pretty crystal clear that all you had to do was not mail it as a kit and it was still legal. And that's exactly what happened. So in less than three minutes of the rule going active and going live, they had beat it. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, I, I can see that this is going to go the same way. I, I hope it does. I'm just worried, uh, you know, I got a nice squeaky clean record. Uh, I'm up for renewal for my CCW this year. Yeah. Uh, supposed to be getting a can approved any day now. Ooh, that'd be nice. Yeah. Uh, you know, I and I just know how things work. It don't matter once that felony goes on there. Even if it gets scrubbed, that makes your life a whole lot harder. Sure. 
Sure does. So and then every I, state's got different laws for scrubbing it and all that other stuff. So, yeah, it's a mess. Well, you got you got right, 120 I'm, days technically, and when the rule goes active, you'll have 120 days from that that point. Uh, okay. To sort this out. And then, who knows? Maybe there'll be a stay and the whole legal battle will be happening and that sort of thing, like with the bump stocks. I'm hoping that happens, and I hope that other people bring up the same point I did is, how is this piece of plastic an SBR? Yep, very good point. Very good point. All right, Andy, appreciate the call, man. Yep, All right, thank take you. Care. Talk to you later. Yeah, it's, uh, so the armed attorneys, they have a YouTube channel, but they're they're a Second Amendment law firm, and they're really, really good. It's a, it's a man and a woman. I don't know their names, and I apologize, but a very informative show. I might have to reach out to them because I'm sure they're going to do a video on this if they haven't already um, and maybe bring them up and and uh, hopefully talk to them about all of this. If I can get both of them or one of them on, that would be great, I think, because they are really good. And they've been following a couple of cases that they think could potentially bring down the NFA altogether, uh, which also weighs in in all of this, too. Anyway, we got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, rumble.com slash Casey the Host. WDOs, from the first step to the final phase. Industrial and commercial electrical done right. Casey Hendrickson. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. I have sent a request to Richard and Emily. They are the armed attorneys. Uh, You should follow them online anyway. They're great. But have officially sent a request for an interview. So hopefully I'll hear back from them. They have not published a video on the Brace SBR ruling, but they their last video is the bump stock video uh, where they did a really good job of explaining all of that. Don't forget, we're live streaming. You can go to rumble.com slash Casey the host. You can also go to Odyssey at Casey the host. If you want to watch the video version of this uh, show, if you want to go and listen to the audio, download the free MNC app, go to 953mnc.com or any of the... The internet radio apps will uh, will pick up our feed. All right. Uh, RealNewsMichiana.com. The St. Joseph County Election Board found the Democrat board member of the St. Joseph County Voter Registration Office in violation of election laws for illegally registering another Democrat to vote. In a hearing, the board found that Amanda Conrath illegally registered a non-eligible person to vote the day before the 2022 general election. Now, we had told you about this case before. Uh, This lady had repeatedly espoused falsehoods about all sorts of issues surrounding the clerk case and the keys and everything else, uh, but had gotten caught registering somebody the day before the election, which is illegal, and then allowing that person to vote and then trying to hide it from the Republican. She got busted. And then when she got busted, she had a hissy fit at the board meeting. For some strange reason, decided to to lash out at Clifton French, who was just there documenting the entire thing. Uh, <laughs> just had a collective hissy fit about it. And now the board is, which they tried telling her, they're like, you're probably going to want to get an attorney. Probably going to want to stop talking. But she was, you know, she was in, in full Karen rage at that point. So here's the deal. Uh, According to the election officials, a woman called into the voter registration office the day before the general election asking to speak with a Democrat official. Specifically, I want to talk to the Democrats. Okay, She was transferred to the voter registration office and directed to speak with a Democrat employee 
by then Deputy St. Joseph County Auditor John Murphy. Murphy is a Democrat, was on the ballot at the time, and was narrowly elected as the auditor. The woman's call was answered by the Republican board member who attempted to assist the caller. The Republican board member discovered the woman's voter registration had been canceled earlier in the year because her information was not up to date. It turns out the former Democrat board member, Mohammed Shabazz, was the person who canceled the registration after several attempts were made to get the proper information. So we end up finding out the information is no good and everything else. So Mohammed Shabazz went through the, the legal process, found, you know, tried to reach out to her, tried to get her to correct her information, didn't. Um, had to cancel her registration. That's what he did. So just so everybody's crystal clear, this isn't Republicans, you know, disenfranchising a Democrat voter in St. Joseph County. This was Mohammed Shabazz, a Democrat who attempted to, you know, correct the information for this woman. She didn't cooperate for whatever reason. Okay. She'll probably say that she didn't get any of that or what have you. But nonetheless, he canceled her registration. She didn't realize it, know it, pay attention to it until the day before the election. Eventually, the call was sent over to Amanda Conrath, who secretly registered the woman to vote at 11 a.m. Records show that the woman cast her ballot at an early voting location right after she got registered to vote that day. So she was illegally registered the day that she voted, way beyond the deadline that you're allowed to register to vote. Voters must be registered 30 days prior to an election. However, the law does allow for certain exceptions if, for instance, an error was made by the voter registration's office, which makes sense. If it's their fault, you shouldn't be penalized for their mistake. The voter can have their status corrected. That can only be done if the error was made by the voter registration office and not at the fault of the voter themselves. In an instance of an error being made, the voter registration official must issue what is called a certificate of error and the voter is given a provisional ballot. This process must be done and approved by both the Democrat and Republican members of the office. None of that was done in this case. Election officials were able to track down the ballot and it was not counted in the general election. Of course, the big question here is, well, if it happened this one time, has it happened before? Was this woman responsible for doing it other times? Given that Ms. Conrath is an activist, has she ever engaged in any activity like this before? We don't have any evidence that she has, but that becomes the question. So she's facing criminal charges, both at the federal and state levels. This is a big no-no. You illegally register somebody to vote and then allow them to vote that day. You're in big trouble. And I know the Butch Morgan just passed away, but that's the biggest case here locally that we have where voter registration fraud happened. And he and two other people went to prison. Ironically, one of those people got out of prison and now works in the clerk's office. Hired by the Democrats. Go figure! Conrath could face up to 10 years in federal prison for election fraud and conspiracy. Doubt she'll get that. Uh, she could also be facing a level six felony charge at the state level for election fraud. The election board stated that they did not plan to send the violation along to any other agency. However, any citizen can now refer the crime along to proper investigators. So uh, there you go.
The Indiana Secretary of State is aware of the situation, uh, and they told Real News Michiana that they will launch an investigation into this incident. So this is right there. And I know that when I post this on social media, I'll get censored, particularly on TikTok, because every time I posted about Ms. Conrath on TikTok, I got censored. Um, No doubt about it. I will post this, and I will highlight that she's been found guilty. She violated the law, okay? Uh, now, this is the the voter registration office, but criminal referrals can now happen. So she could face these criminal charges, but she's not yet. But she did, in fact, violate the law, and it has been ruled that way by the board. So we will um, we'll see. So I'll make a video about this and, and see uh, see what happens, mostly out of my own curiosity. But also, uh, for some reason, the uh, vote fraud videos go nuts on TikTok. Pretty interesting. And I, I'm not telling you to get on TikTok. I'm just saying if you're already on it, follow me at Casey the Host. I'm not telling anybody to get on TikTok. I understand the risks of being on TikTok. But um, if you're already there and you're already doing TikTok anyway, you might as well follow your boy here at Casey the Host. So nonetheless, she guilty. She has been found guilty. Now, potential of 10 years uh, if criminal referrals end up happening. Secretary of State is investigating. We'll keep you updated on what's happening here with all of this. But, uh, yeah, just another example of egregious behavior in St. Joseph County by one particular political party. Anyway, you can go to 953mnc.com. You can go ahead and take a look at all of the uh, stories we have up there. And you can also follow me on your favorite social media network at Casey the Host. Right now, live streaming on Rumble and Odyssey at Casey the Host. Pick your preferred platform. Hit that subscribe button when you're there. We'd appreciate it. Got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Casey Hendrickson. See your breaking news and weather station. Hey, everybody. Casey Hendrickson here. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I'm your host. Just said it. Casey Hendrickson. Sorry. Little little discombobulated in here reading this. So I want to go over some of the, well, it's kind of the document thing, but it's also the House thing and a couple of things that are tied to the classified document situation. So we caught more, we caught Biden having more documents that he wasn't supposed to have. Friendly reminder, I know that you probably all know this anyway, vice presidents can have these documents. Vice presidents don't have the authority to declassify these documents. Joe Biden broke the law, okay? As we know it now, Joe Biden violated the law. It's a big deal. It's um, it's not getting the news coverage that the Trump documents did, but it is still getting news coverage. You realize we even have Adam Schiff, who, by the way, the best part of the Matt Gates interview with Tim Pool and gang was Matt Gates basically saying that Adam Schiff was evil because uh, he is. I, I don't. I evil might be strong language, but he sure does come off that way. This is somebody who will look you right in the face and lie to you in order to demonize somebody. As I've said before, when he tried to obtain the nude photos of Trump that he thought were real, what is really just a Russian uh, Russian prank, I, I firmly believe he was going to use those for self-gratification before he told anybody about them. This guy is just a weirdo. So Adam Schiff who is the former chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, now no longer on that committee, he did say on Sunday that it is possible that national security was jeopardized by Joe Biden's documents. So even he's saying, yeah, we got a problem here. 
um, MSNBC and everybody else, in spite of them trying to defend Joe Biden, they're still kind of having to acquiesce that, yeah, this is problematic. Uh, he, he's not supposed to have these things. You know, part of the problem is you all went to bat for a false narrative about classified documents, just like you went to bat for a false narrative about quid pro quo. And you keep going to bat for these false narratives to try and demonize somebody when it is normal and commonplace for Democrats to participate in said activities. And then when the Democrat gets discovered doing the same thing that you just said was the most egregious offense in the history of offenses, it becomes impossible for you to defend your position. So the House GOP has been demanding visitor logs for Biden's house, not just because of these documents for for some time now. And they were told before, a while ago, that there were no logs. Well, now they're coming back and saying that there's no logs again. Nobody believes them, but that's what they're saying. So let me go back in time. This is the Associated Press uh, from a couple of days ago. Actually, I think this is early this morning. Uh, newly empowered House Republicans on Sunday demanded that the White House turn over all information related to its searches that have uncovered classified documents at Joe Biden's home and former office in the wake of more records found at his Delaware residence. So I think we're at, what, four caches of documents now. We have a lot of questions, says Representative Comer, chairman of the House Oversight and Accountability Committee. Uh, he's a Republican from Kentucky. He said that he wants to see all documents and communications related to the searches by the Biden team, as well as visitor logs of the former pre- the former vice president's home in Wilmington, Delaware, from January 20th to 2021 to now. He said the aim is to determine who might have had access to classified material and how the records got there. Now, we know that uh, his son, Hunter, had access to the material. Because he listed it as his residence. He claims to have paid like 49 grand a month in rent, which nobody believes either, by the way. Seems like a money laundering operation. Um, He also claims to have made repairs on the home, and he has receipts for said repairs, by the way. So we know that Hunter Biden had access to the home where the classified documents were stored. So did Hunter Biden go through the boxes in the garage? Was Hunter Biden the guy who was supposed to have the boxes in the garage or the classified documents? There's a lot of things that tie into the weirdness around Hunter Biden's business dealings overseas and how he leveraged the office of the vice presidency to make money. And, of course, the big guy, Joe Biden, got a cut. Now, here's where things get kind of interesting. This is not the first time that they've said that there's no logs for this house, but nobody believes them. You know, Joe Biden would conduct business in Wilmington, Delaware. If he's conducting business in Wilmington, Delaware... There's a log of visitors is how it's conducted. Okay. Um, The fact that there are no logs that we have no visitors doesn't make any sense. When he was vice president, he did work there. There were people who visited and they've tried telling us in the past that there aren't any logs because nobody visited. Nobody believes that. So now if you go to Fox news this afternoon, There are no visitor logs for former Vice President Biden's home in Wilmington, Delaware, according to the White House Counsel's Office in a statement today. The Republicans of Capitol Hill demanded the visitor logs this weekend following revelations that Biden's lawyers had discovered a stash of classified documents inside the home's garage. While it is common practice to keep comprehensive visitor logs at the White House, Biden's lawyers say no such record exists for his home in Delaware. Okay. Uh, Nobody buys that. 
All right. Everybody is kind of looking at this and going, mm, doesn't pass the smell test, but okay. That's where we're at right now. Um, of course, we've got several stories I'll link to because they all have different takes on this. And yeah, Comer doesn't buy this either. Uh, given the serious national security implications, the White House must provide the Wilmington residence's visitor log. It is troubling that classified documents have been improperly stored at the home of former Vice President Biden for at least six years, raising questions about who may have reviewed or had access to classified information. Obviously. Seems pretty pretty basic. Now, I, I guess I'm just I'm missing the news media narrative like we have with Trump with, hey, uh, what foreign power was Joe Biden selling this information to? Because that's what they did with Trump. Even if you believe that Trump kept classified documents that he's not allowed to have, which didn't happen. But even if you believe that, the extra narrative that somehow he was going to sell them to Russia or somebody else that's where the left went. That's where the news media went. That's where prominent Democratic politicians went. And that was never even a reasonable assumption to begin with. So where's that happening with uh, Joe Biden now? He's got him scattered all over the place. He's got classified documents at the University of Delaware. He's unsealing. He's uh, kept those things sealed. Uh, what else do we We got the office. We've got his house. We've got multiple stockpiles of documents all over his house, not just in the garage, but all over the house. They found, what, four or five piles of these things now? Hmm. Interesting stuff, don't you think? Now, New York Times doing their duty as loyal leftists. The New York Times falsely claimed that it is an unproven claim that Joe Biden aided Hunter Biden's business. Uh, I'm sorry, what? You still running with this? Now, here's the thing. You can only get away with this stuff if you have a hyper-partisan population that just will not acknowledge the truth. The fact that there are still people in this world who will tell you that the Nazis in fascist Germany are right-wing conservatives and not left-wing socialists like they really are proves to the New York Times that they can get away with with lies like this. And so they do. And so MSNBC does. There are some people, even Matt Gates was talking about, hey, I actually had an interesting discussion on CNN. Looks like CNN is changing their tune. Don Lemon is out there going, hey, classified documents are a problem for uh, Joe Biden. It's not, not going to lie. It doesn't look good. Now, some people are saying that this this is, and I can't blame them, that this is proof that there appears to be a left-wing conspiracy to now get rid of Joe Biden. Like, this is the moment. I always told you they would use Hunter if they needed to get him out. They would do that. The ultra-leftist acolytes are out there saying that Trump supporters snuck in. True story. This happened. Trump supporters snuck into the Wilmington, Delaware house and planted the documents. True story. That was a claim that was made over the weekend on one of the news channels. <laughs> okay. If you if you say so. So you've got the right saying that the Democrats are using this to push Biden out. You got the left saying that Trump is sneaking into Joe Biden's house and planting documents because, again, Trump is simultaneously the dumbest human being ever and the smartest, most uh, most evil supervillain of all time. They can't figure out which one. 
Um, at the end of the day, I think that the most logical explanation here is that this was a part of the family business, and they used classified documents to enrich themselves, and they didn't pick up after themselves because Hunter Biden is a screw-up. And Joe Biden didn't have the mental capacity to remember what was going on. That's kind of where I think this is headed. Hunter Biden lived in the house. He claimed the house was his resident. Classified documents are all over the house. Hunter Biden was careless with information about his business dealings and his personal life and his relationship with his father. We know that from numerous video posting, the laptop, everything else. Okay. My assumption is... This was all about the family business, and Hunter Biden didn't cover his tracks. That's my assumption. That's my assumption. It's just a pure guess. I think it's an educated guess, but I don't have definitive proof that that's what's going on here. But I think that is the most likely scenario to Joe Biden keeping classified documents at his house, spread all over the house. Maybe he did keep them at the house, and Hunter found them and and started spreading them all over the house. Who knows? It's possible. But if you go back to just a couple of years ago, before the dementia really set in, Hunter Biden, not Hunter Biden, Joe Biden was pretty careful with his documents. He made sure the documents that could damage him were locked away at the University of Delaware. And you couldn't get to them, right? Such as his sexual assault accusation. So he's been pretty careful with what he does with the documents that could expose him. The one person in the Biden family who has not been careful with those documents, Hunter. So if I had to guess, Hunter Biden is is the reason that we're finding out about these documents now, because he screwed up. That's if I had to guess, which further amplifies the possibility that Hunter Biden and the big guy, which is Joe Biden, and of course, Joe's brother, which have been accused of crimes by the Ukrainian government, that the family business they were engaged in was absolutely compromising the Biden family and Joe Biden specifically with harmful foreign actors. I think this kind of just illustrates that point. The laptop illustrated it enough. The monetary payments, the jewel payments, the lavish gift payments from the Chinese Communist Party, from Russian oligarchs, from the Kazakh uh, mayor of the capital of Kazakhstan. You know, all of these things that we have in the Biden family business, they all were very concerning. And one of the big concerning points is that, okay, this appears to be Joe Biden being compromised through his son because they were all involved in these business dealings. And for the New York Times to come out there and go, oh, no, this is just still a conspiracy theory is insane because we've got the two former business partners of Hunter saying very specifically that Joe Biden and his brother were involved in these business dealings. And they named them with specificity. Let's not forget the Ukrainian government had as well. So the idea that there isn't any kind of proof here is just not true by the New York Times. But the New York Times is going to circle the wagons are going to do what the New York Times does. But if you were to ask me what's going on here, I think Hunter Biden screwed up and has now exposed Joe Biden. MNC News Time is 4.33. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that last a lifetime. This is Michiana's... 
And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Earlier today, I was at Warren Chiropractic. So I was talking with Dr. Warren and was being introduced to the new doctor who's coming on over there. Um, and I told him, I said, look, I center my back on the right-hand side, which is typically a problem spot for me anyway. I was like, it's really tight. It's really messed up. And he, he was feeling around. He knew the exact spot where it was a problem. And then he barely pushed on it. I kid you not, the thing just snap, crackled, and popped. And then he did it a lot more and was able to loosen things up. I've been struggling with that for about a week. I didn't go last week. I was supposed to go last week. I honestly forgot about it because the holiday schedule got all messed up. And I've been, I don't want to say in pain, but I've been stiff. And so he was able to do the adjustment today and kind of get everything flowing again and just feel tons better. So here's the thing. If you have neck and back issues, if you don't go see a chiropractor, according to research, you are far more likely to go under the knife and have surgery. Whereas people who go to a chiropractor and get the care of a chiropractor are far less likely to go under the knife and get surgery. Now, I suppose it depends on your situation, but I would much rather not have to go through surgery and all of the risks associated with neck and back surgery and just get treated at a chiropractor. If that is something that can happen and make you not have pain and feel better, then I, that would be the route that I would take. But it's a personal choice. So if you're looking to avoid surgery, avoid pain pills and the pitfalls that come with that, with your health and the potential addiction angle and supply chain issues and everything else, contact Warren Chiropractic. Go to warrenchiro.com. Click on the new patient tab to set up an appointment Go get evaluated. You know, there may there may be a circumstance where they look at you and they go, here's what we can do for you, here's what we can't, and you may need to talk to your doctor about surgery. Um, but for me, I was having major neck issues. It went from me having a couple of days of, of pain from an old neck injury a month to is a solid week out of the month that I would hurt, and then it got to the point where it was half of the month or more I was in excruciating pain. It was affecting my sleep and everything else. I started having to go to the doctor and get injections once a quarter, in the neck, which is never fun. I don't know how many of you had needles stuck in the back of your neck, but it's not pleasant. And, you know, I haven't had an injection since. We were actually talking about that today. I've not had a single injection in my neck since I started going to Warren Chiropractic, and I count that as a win. Go to warrenchiro.com, click on the new patient tab again, let them know that I sent you. I ran into this article today. This is at Breitbart. John Nolte wrote it. Um, really good title. Unlike Trump's, Unlike Trump's, Biden's classified document scandal is real. And that's true. It is real. We've been over all of this. There's still a bunch of leftists out there who just will not acknowledge the fact of classified information and what former presidents go through. I've had to defend Obama. I've had to defend Bush. I've had to defend Trump on this. Um, the reality of the situation is an outgoing commander in chief can take their files with them, classified or not. They're theirs. They don't belong to you. They don't belong to me. They don't belong to the archives. They belong to them. Now, generally speaking, the archives likes having those copies. So the archives always, without fail, every administration pitches a fit if they don't get copies of these documents. They like to have the originals because the archives likes to display the original documents when they're available for display in the future, that sort of thing. They don't want to copy, okay? So with Obama, Obama kept them for, I think, six years, the classified documents that the archives were pitching a fit over, and his excuse was, yeah, we're just going to make 
digital copies of these for my library and then we'll give you the originals back. It took like six years or something like that to finish that so-called digitizing uh, phase. You know, whether or not that it actually took that long doesn't really matter. They were his documents to do with as he saw fit. He was the president of the United States. He could declassify them. He could have those documents. Those are from his time as president. They're his documents. Same thing with Bush. Same thing with Bush Sr. Same thing with Reagan. Same thing with Clinton. You get the idea? Classified documents from a former commander-in-chief belong to them, and they can declassify whatever they want. It's a part of their record, and if they choose to take those things out of Washington, D.C. with them, they're automatically declassified. It really is that simple. I've, I've been over how this works with you all the time. Uh, not all the time, but several times before. And it, it is something that is constantly being... Well, really, what, what ends up happening is the average person who gets classified clearance, there's hoops you have to go through to handle those documents. And there's clearance levels that you have to have. And as somebody who has had, at least at one point in my, my career, a clearance, um, it's very different than when you're the guy who's at the very top. See, the president of the United States doesn't answer to anybody. If Joe Biden left office today and took all of the documents that were his, that were classified with him today, Joe Biden hasn't broken any laws. Why? Because he's the commander in chief. Those are his documents. Joe Biden is the vice president, has no authority to do any of that. There wasn't an issue with Trump's documents. Those documents were not illegal. They were not harmful. He was working with the archives in spite of all of these stories that we're hearing about uh, Biden working with the archives and Trump was was uh, combative with the archives. First of all, it wouldn't matter if he was combative with the archives, but beyond that, it was a lie. They were working with the archives on which documents um, to secure, which ones to not secure. They were in a skiff. They were protected by not only his private security, but the Secret Service 24-7. You get the idea. There are still people out there who cannot understand this or are choosing to lie to you in order to conflate the issue. But at the end of the day, when I tell you whatever they accuse the right of doing, they themselves are doing, I mean it. How many examples do we have where I've been proven wrong on that? There's a lot where I've been proven right. I don't, I don't recall a single instance where I was proven wrong. So they go after, they go after Trump for classified documents. Well, guess what? Obama did the same thing. Biden did the same thing, only Biden was actually committing a crime. Look at pay for play, right? Trump didn't do that. Biden did. You look at the tax situation. Trump didn't do it. Biden did. You start playing this game all day, every day. So anyway, this is the article from Breitbart. Former President Donald Trump is embroiled in, in another deep state frame-up job, this time over classified documents. Meanwhile, his fraudulency, Joe Biden, love that term, by the way, is dealing with a legitimate classified document scandal. Before we go any further, I find all this classified document hand-wringing silly, speaking objectively outside the tit-for-tat partisan politics. Everyone knows America goes overboard with the big red classified stamp, which is true. This is a well-known fact. We classify way too many things, um, and it's been a source of consternation for um, transparency advocates for decades now. Stamping something classified has to feel pretty cool. Reading something stamped classified must feel even cooler. So why not stamp, stamp, stamp your way 
to that warm and fuzzy feeling of self-importance. Plus, by stamping everything classified, the deep state can frame people for invented crimes, embarrass them politically, and meddle in elections. And we all know how much the FBI, NSA, CIA, and Homeland Security love to frame people to protect the Democrat Party. Uh, do you remember when they tried telling you that Russia hacked a DNC server? Are there still like a couple of you out there who still believe that that really happened? And this is where my expertise as a network systems administrator kind of came in. I was able to look at the software. I was able to look at how they alleged it happened. And I was able to tell you none of this passes the smell test. And then you had the Democrats and the Republicans in the Senate who were like, no, 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 Russia totally hacked the DNC server. And collectively, the American people and the news media, who was doing their job at the time, said, all right, we'll prove it. And then they provided some evidence. Well, the evidence was, pardon my French, crap. It was as crappy as the new MLK statue in Boston. It was that bad. The evidence that they presented as proof that the Russians hacked the DNC server actually proved the Russians did not hack the DNC server. I explained all of that at the time. One of the key, the key factors of that was the software used to hack the server was several generations old and was not the latest updated software. And we all know that the Russian government uses the latest updated software. They don't use old stuff that is likely to get caught. Okay, that's an Emma. The Russians, when they hack, they're good at it. The Chinese, when they hack, they're good at it. The Iranians, less so. But they still tend to not use things that are multiple generations of software old. Okay, But that's what happened with the DNC server. So then what happened is, as the entire news media and the entire cybersecurity industrial complex came out and said, this actually proves the Russians did not hack the DNC server. It was likely just some people doing some nefarious stuff. This doesn't appear to be a government activity. So do you remember what happened after that? John McCain and several of the politicians in the Senate on the Intelligence Committee got together and had a closed-door classified briefing. And then John McCain came out, rest his soul, John McCain came out and said, after the classified briefing, I can pinky promise, swear to you, they gave us enough evidence to prove the Russians were behind the hack. You told us that last time when you gave us the evidence that the Russians didn't hack the DNC server. So what they did is they basically just said, we're going to have a secret classified briefing on this, and when we come out, you're just going to have to trust us that Russia hacked the DNC server because we have the ability to see classified documents. You don't, peasants. That's kind of what is being illustrated here in Nolte's article. Feels good to read and stamp things as classified because then you can frame the argument any way you want. And when somebody asks you for proof, you just go, well, we can't show you proof. It's classified. Adam Schiff did the same thing when he lied about Trump-Russia collusion. He said that he saw classified documents which proved that Trump was working with Russia. Only he lied. But how did you know that he was lying? Because you don't have access to the information. All he has to do is go, well, you don't have clearance. I have clearance. Hmm. More on this in just a second. Coming up, Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Casey Hendrickson. Afternoons, noon till 3 on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Your breaking news and weather station. I was just explaining to John that MyPillow.com is having a bathrobe closeout sale. 
lightweight and heavyweight bathrobes. I don't wear them, but if I were interested in making my neighbors uncomfortable, I might get a bathrobe from MyPillow.com. They're as low as $59.98 right now with promo code Casey. So if you're interested in a bathrobe, MyPillow.com, promo code Casey. They also have the sheets that are on sale right now. So uh, regardless of which type of sheet you're looking for, you can get bed sheets. This is the biggest bed sheet sale ever for as low as $29.98. That includes the Giza Cotton Dream Sheets. And I challenge you to find Giza Cotton Dream Sheets. Well, I guess they're not called Dream Sheets everywhere else. I challenge you to find Giza Cotton Sheets anywhere for 30 bucks, But you can get them at MyPillow.com for as low as $29.98 with promo code Casey. Go check them out online, MyPillow.com. Click on Radio Listener Specials, promo code Casey. All right, so the reason I'm bringing up the DNC server and the reason that I'm tying that in with this article by Nolte at Breitbart is that you were told by politicians who have access to see classified information after it had been proven that they were not telling the truth about Russia hacking the DNC server. The proof that they provided to the public proved that Russia didn't hack the DNC server. Then they decided to get together and go, look, we have classified clearance. The general public doesn't. Let's have a closed-door meeting, eat some pizza, talk about who we're rooting for in the ballgame, and then we're going to emerge from that meeting and pinky promise, swear to everybody, that our classified clearance gave us all of the information that we needed to prove that Russia hacked the DNC server. Now, CrowdStrike, which is the firm that manipulated the data to make it look like the Russians hacked the DNC server, never provided any actual uh, forensic evidence to the FBI or anybody else. The FBI never actually got a hold of the DNC server. You realize that CrowdStrike, just a couple of years ago, admitted that Russia never hacked that DNC server. I was, I think, the only media show in the country that I'm aware of on ter- terrestrial radio anyway, because I know some some uh, streamers did, who covered the story where the guy who heads up CrowdStrike was forced to finally admit Russia never hacked the DNC server. They lied. They Is he in jail for that? Is he in prison for that? No. Just so you're aware, Russia never hacked the DNC server. It was a lie. It was a setup by the Hillary Clinton campaign, and it was corroborated by senators on the Intelligence Committee who lied to you about their classified access that proved that Russia did it. Just like Adam Schiff lied to you using his classified access to tell you that Trump was colluding with Russia. They were all lies. So when you start seeing classified this, classified that, oftentimes it is a way to cover up a conspiracy or it's just a way to lie to the American people. It's very important that you understand that because it's been well documented that, yes, we we overclassify stuff in this country. We say things are classified when they're not really worthy of being classified, et cetera. And it's all tied in with this with this Biden thing. You know, the fact that Hunter Biden had access to these documents and lived in that house at the time that these documents were there should concern you because we do have various levels of classified documents that have been uncovered. If well, the fourth example of that now. Trump's role stored in a skiff. A skiff is a room designed for classified documents. It was protected by the Secret Service. He had a legal right to those documents. Joe Biden didn't have any of that. 
And the fact that Joe Biden's documents are scattered all over the place, his former office in D.C., uh, his uh, his well, I guess it was at the University of Pennsylvania. Maybe it wasn't in D.C. Uh, his garage, his library, at his house. Uh, then you've got the the new set of documents that are found over the weekend. You know, these are these are things that you're not supposed to have, and he's not supposed to have. So in this article, which again is just I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but as Nolte is pointing out. If you're going to look at the classified document situation, the first thing he acknowledges is that, look, we overclassify things. And just because it's classified doesn't necessarily mean that this is critical stuff. Some of the classification levels here are concerning, but we don't know what's in that information, nor should we know what's in that information. We're not allowed clearance. But at the same time, Trump's information he was allowed to have. Biden's information he was not allowed to have. And the fact that it's all over the place at multiple properties is also of huge concern. The real question is, is Joe Biden responsible? Well, he's ultimately responsible. But is Joe Biden the guy who was doing it? Or was he providing Hunter Biden access that he shouldn't have been able to have since Hunter Biden is compromised? More coming up. Studios, from the first step to the final phase, industrial and commercial electrical done right. Casey Hendrickson. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do you want to thank you for tuning in? Also want to thank RNB Car Company, locations in South Bend, Warsaw, Columbia City. RNB Car Company are your used car experts. Just as a quick little tease, if you are a content creator or you know somebody who is a content creator who uploads videos to any platform, I'm going to have an interesting opportunity for you here in the near future. And I'm going to want to have that contact information. I will create a way for you to submit that to me here soon. So I just want you to be aware. So if you've got a kid, grandkid, you yourself, somebody you know who uploads video content on the Internet and you're from the area, um, I'm going to have an interesting opportunity for you here in the near future. All right. Let's uh, take a look at a couple of stories here, and then we're going to get into a a video that I saw over the weekend. It's gone viral, and it's it's awful and it's horrific, involving this plane crash. Uh, but I want to get into it because I I think that, well, I mean it's it's a compelling story. It's harrowing, uh, but it's still compelling. The first thing is uh, Representative Thomas Massey has actually introduced legislation. That would end the CDC's air travel vaccine mandate. So that's been introduced. Like I said, a lot of these things are not going to pass because they're not going to pass in the Senate and they wouldn't be signed by Joe Biden anyway. Uh, But he did introduce a group of House Republicans want to consign this mandate uh, to the dustbin. Representative Thomas Massey, a Kentucky Republican, introduced legislation that would override the CDC's requirement and prohibit a similar requirement from being re-implemented. His legislation is co-sponsored by Republican representatives Mary Miller, Ralph Norman, Scott Perry, Bill Posey, Greg Stubbe, Brian Mast, and Michael Cloud. So keep an eye on that. We will continue to cover that. CNN has closed, closed their headquarters in Atlanta. I realize there's probably a lot of you out there who don't think that that is a big deal. That is a very big deal. Uh, CNN's headquarters in Atlanta is, I mean, it's considered, you know, one of the best headquarters in all of media. They closed it. Now, obviously, they're dealing with financial troubles. They're moving 
They're moving into the suburbs. According to the Washington Examiner, the news comes as the network faces uh, flagging ratings and deepening financial troubles despite its recent hire of Rhino ex-representative Adam Kinzinger as a political consultant. Um, Have they gotten rid of Wallace yet over there? Or is he still sticking around? He's still there somewhere? Is he doing anything? I haven't seen Wallace do anything. He has a Sunday night show? I haven't seen a clip from the Sunday Wow. Gosh, he's a... He's obscure. Uh, for at least three years, rumors have swirled that the network founded in 1978 by media mogul Ted Turner might try to unload its flagship former headquarters. Uh, CNN previously announced that it would leave the old CNN Center in search of greener pastures at the Warner Brothers Discovery uh, Techwood Turner Broadcasting Campus north of the city. So they have done that. So the big main CNN headquarters that everybody knows closed. Uh, next thing we have this this video here, and, and I'm just going to give you a, a warning. I don't recommend you go watch it. It's not it's not what I would call overly graphic in that you don't actually see anybody perish, but you're watching you're watching an airplane crash from inside the airplane, and nobody survived. Um, you hear it. You see the flames engulfing the cabin. So if you're squeamish... I recommend you don't watch it. If you are not squeamish, you know, you, you kind of understand what you're, what you're getting. Uh, you're watching everybody on this plane die. I'm going to butcher these names, and I apologize about that. This video went viral over the weekend. <clears throat> A passenger that was on this plane that crashed in Nepal was live streaming on the Internet when it crashed. There is video of the plane from the ground as it crashed. So the plane was coming into land. Everything looked fine. And then all of a sudden it, it veered left, took a nosedive into the ground and everybody's dead. It's a horrible tragedy. All 72 passengers have been lost. So you can see the plane crash from the ground. What makes this so different is that it is, one of the passengers recording thinking that they're just recording and then you know they're smiling they're laughing everything is fine and then all of a sudden in a i mean a split second everybody's gone but the camera records the entire thing it is live streamed to the world you catch the chaos you hear the plane crash and you witness the absolute inferno that happens inside where everybody is afterwards. Somehow, miraculously, the camera on the phone, when it finally comes to its resting place, does not show any human being losing their life. And I don't know how that happened. Um, If you ask me, it's a miracle that that didn't happen because you don't actually see any of the horrible things that were happening. You just see the entire cabin engulfed in flames. We know who that person is now, and we know what trip he was on. Uh, His name is Sonu Jaiswal, and again, I apologize if I did not pronounce that correctly. He and three friends were making a pilgrimage to a Hindu temple in Nepal when their plane's engine caught fire, leading to the crash. Uh, Reportedly, he's killed all 72 aboard. When the video was first posted, you can still hear people alive and 
the assumption when the video went out there is maybe he survived. But also when you see the flames involved, you all, if you understand fire, I guess, you understand that the likelihood of anybody surviving that is very, very low. Um, and he did not survive. According to the BBC and his family, he live-streamed his last moments on Facebook. And again, you don't specifically see anybody in frame lose their life, but you are watching it happen. Okay, so it's available for the entire world to see. Um, this has always been kind of one of those things that I wondered what it looked like on the inside of a plane crash. I think a lot of people who fly probably had that had that um, curiosity. It's I would say that it's probably one of the worst videos that I've seen involving fire since I watched the wildfire firefighters. I believe they were in uh, South or Cent. No, no. I think they might have been in the United States. No, they were in Argentina. There was a wildfire in South America. I'm pretty sure it was Argentina several years ago. And they had cameras on, and they were, of course, filming as they were working. It was a it was standard procedure for them to do it. And they got caught behind the wall of fire, and it was coming, and they were trying to dig in. And, you know, there's a, there's a technique that you do to dig into the ground, and the fire kind of goes over you. Uh, use a blanket to shield yourself from the flames, and, and you hope that you survive. And they were in that point where they were desperate, they were surrounded, they were desperately trying to dig in. In that footage, unfortunately, it captures the firefighter he was with um, burning alive and running for his life, but not ultimately able to do it, and they all passed away. Uh, This is the worst thing that I've seen involving fire since then, and I don't recommend you watch either one of them um, if you don't have the stomach for it. But if this is something that, interest you obviously just for curiosity's sake uh it's it's a terrible video to watch so the four men they were all in their 20s or early 30s they had been friends for many years they they often spent time together locals say that they had gone into paul on the 13th of january to visit a temple there um there's apparently a, a shrine on the outskirts of Kathmandu that they were going to visit and the trip was reportedly uh Jaiswal's idea and he's a father of three. He wanted to pray at the temple for another son. After visiting the temple, the friends set off on Sunday, and they did a, a whole tourist thing, and they, they documented all of it. And he was documenting the plane landing. And like I said, it was coming in for a landing, and then all of a sudden it just tipped over to the left. The left wing went down, and it just veered right into the ground, and uh, everybody was lost. So... Uh, the four men were among five Indians on board. Officials said 53 of the passengers were Nepalese, along with four Russians, two Koreans. Others on board are reported to have included one passenger each from Ireland, Australia, Argentina, and France. So, again, there's footage from the ground where you can see what happened to the plane from our perspective, but then the video that he was live streaming as they were landing is the one that you see inside the cabin. Um, and shortly after the crash happens and the flames engulf uh, the feed stops. Would you assume the phone was destroyed at that point? So, you know, wish, uh, wish the best for all of their families, horrible tragedy, but nonetheless, very compelling video kind of highlighting what happened there.
Speaking of transportation, though, we've also learned some interesting things about Pete Buttigieg that we didn't know before. Coming up on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Casey Hendrickson. And his morning news on 95.3 MNC, your breaking news and weather station. Now, most of you know I've been kind of pigeonholed as the Buttigieg guy on national media. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but... It did come up again last week. I was on Brian Kilmeade's radio show. Did an extended interview with him about Pete Buttigieg. And, well, we learned some things about Pete Buttigieg that we didn't learn before, which calls into question some of the statements that Pete Buttigieg has made in the past about his work ethic. Now, I went over a a big list when we were dealing with the supply chain container issue and the ports and there's a bunch of stuff that should have been dealt with that the transportation secretary would be the point guy in dealing with and p Buttigieg did not make any of those meetings did not do any of those things and that was my in my opinion he was derelict in his duties now he can argue paternity leave all he wants and most of you know i'm a supporter of paternity leave I do believe that fathers should be able to take time off. I don't think that that is a unique uh, mother thing. I think that dads should be able to do the thing as well. And so I, I don't have an issue with paternity leave. However, when you have an important position and you have critical systems that are reliant upon you, even if you're on paternity leave, you're working. And for the record, this is why men typically make more than women. Because this is the standard protocol for men operating in our society. When there is an emergency and you have an important job, you still go to work even when you're not at work. It's one of the reasons why when there's big breaking news, even if I'm on vacation, I'm still posting about it. Why? Because it's still part of my job. I could ignore it if I really wanted to, but it doesn't make a lot of sense for me to abandon my audience that way. Pete Buttigieg has a job that is critical for our society. And when he took paternity leave and there was an emergency, you expect the transportation secretary to do certain things when he can to alleviate that problem. And if that means working at 9 or 10 o'clock at night after the babies are in bed and your spouse is in bed or what have you, then that's what you do. Why? Because that's what men do, generally speaking, throughout all of, our, of human history. If you cannot work during the day because of family things, I respect that. But when family goes down for sleep, you now go to work. Why? Because there's an emergency. And then you wake up early the next day and you do that work before they get up. That's what fathers have been doing since the beginning of time. Pete didn't do that. Now, what they started telling you is, Pete's been engaged. Pete's been having these meetings every single day. Pete's been doing this. Pete's been doing that. He's really not been on paternity leave. He's been working the entire time. Oh, okay. Well, um, according to a watchdog, Pete Buttigieg refused multiple meetings with Democrats and Republicans during his paternity leave during that crisis. Oh, wow. Okay. Then, like Brian Kilmeade and I were talking about, maybe you shouldn't have the job. It's okay if your lifestyle, and I don't mean that in, in his sexual orientation, I mean, family man, that's okay if your lifestyle does not permit you to have a job like this. There are human beings 
that don't want to work these kind of hours. They would much rather have a home life. That's okay. There are human beings who are workaholics, and the home life is a secondary to their career. That's okay, too. There are pluses and minuses to all of it. And then, of course, you got the people who are just trying to find that balance in between. Okay, Those are the folks who are probably never going to seek management, probably never going to open a business. There's nothing wrong with that. You're, you're basically you're figuring out your time versus money. When people say time is money, they don't mean you have to spend time to make money necessarily, but that's, that's what the trade-off is. If you want to make a lot of money, you're going to have to devote a lot of your time to making money. And if you're devoting a lot of your time to making money, that is time that you do not have for recreation or family. If you're going to devote your time to family, that is great too, but guess what? You're probably not going to make a lot of money. Most people try to find a balance, and that balance for most folks is eight hours a day, five days a week. And there's nothing wrong with any of those decisions. If you choose to, to prioritize family and not work, most of the time it's women who make that decision. Not all the time, but most of the time. And that's great. That is a beautiful thing. Oftentimes, if you're going to prioritize money, sometimes because your spouse is prioritizing family, Three minutes you're going to go to work and you're going to work extra hours to make sure that there's enough money for the other spouse to prioritize family. There's nothing wrong with that either. Said so most people are kind of in between. You want to you want to go ahead and have that work life work home life balance. Pete chose family. Nothing wrong with that, except he has a critical infrastructure job. If you have critical jobs, you oftentimes can't prioritize family. If you have a critical job. That job must be your priority. And it is okay if you don't want to have a job that has to be prioritized over family. That is fine, but you need to leave the job. You can't keep that position and prioritize family because everything gets screwed up. So when Pete Buttigieg goes out there and is telling everybody that he's still working every single day and taking meetings every single day, and then we find out, through a watchdog that he was turning down meetings left and right from Republicans and Democrats, we got a problem. We got a guy that we know isn't doing his job, and we have a guy who didn't make himself available to do his job when he could have found time here and there. And I get it. Emergencies happen, things happen, and you got you to gotta juggle things sometimes. We're talking about a multi-year fiasco of somebody who hasn't shown up when he needed to and he has a critical job at a critical time. In a normal world that isn't having COVID and a war and everything else that's kind of screwing everything up, in a normal world, Pete Buttigieg phoning it in would be adequate for Transportation Secretary. It is not adequate now. Here we go. Um. December 15, 2020, Adam Wren. So what exactly are Booty Judge's qualifications to run the Department of Transportation? Luckily, writer Adam Wren, uh, who did an extensive profile of Booty Judge in 2018, has the answer. Fun fact, one of Pete Booty Judge's favorite board games is Ticket to Ride, a game that involves collecting trains and claiming rail routes uh, through states across the United States. Cool. Um, John, I'm undefeated in risk. I should be 
the only five-star general that the United States has. You ever go on a date with somebody and you ask them what they do, and she looks at you and she goes, I'm an Instagram model. Okay. If you play a lot of Call of Duty, are you a soldier? Probably not. Unless she's making a lot of money being an Instagram model. Her job is not Instagram model. She's unemployed. Nothing wrong with being unemployed as long as you provide for yourself. You have to question how she's providing for herself. But I don't know any guy who's going to go out there and go, I'm a soldier in Call of Duty. That's my job. Unless, of course, he's a professional Call of Duty player and he happens to make a lot of money playing Call of Duty. And guess what? His job is, I'm a professional gamer. That's what I do. You can play these games all you want. Okay, so Pete Buttigieg likes a board game about trains. So what? That isn't a qualification. We all know that, and that's why everything is so screwed up. He told Jake Tapper in October on CNN that he was available at any time, even if it meant taking phone calls in the hospital. Hmm. The problem is, is that that's not the case. According to... This latest watchdog report, he turned down several meetings with Republicans and Democrats to deal with the crisis because, again, he was dealing with family stuff, which, okay, you're dealing with family stuff. That's fine. But you know what? It's it's time to tell everybody that this ain't the job for me right now. It would have been if I wasn't having this. Maybe in the future I can take this position again, but right now I need to focus on my family. This isn't the position for me. And that is a decision that he has been unwilling to make, and we have been paying for it as a country ever since. MNC News Time is 531. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that last a lifetime. This is Mitchell Electrical Done Right. Casey Hendrickson. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. I don't know. Maybe Pete just didn't. Maybe he didn't have enough energy to do the job and do the family thing. Maybe he needed balance of nature this entire time to help him focus, help him have the energy to get through the the day. I, you know, if he didn't take balance of nature, it's entirely possible. He just did not have the get up and go to do the job. Don't let that happen to you. Go to balanceofnature.com, promo code Laura, L-A-U-R-A. And you'll save 35% when you go to balanceofnature.com. Do yourself a favor. Just get just get one set of the fruits and veggies. Take them for the month as you're supposed to. Okay? Take them as you're supposed to. And just see how you feel. Feel free to write me. I've had several people write me about how great they feel with Balance of Nature. Um, we've all kind of laughed and giggled about my old producer, Josh. And every now and then when he comes into the studio, how he immediately makes a beeline for the fruits uh, because it's... For him, it gives him a ton of energy. He gets a great benefit from it. But you got to boost your immune system, get your vitamins, get your minerals. These are real food here. This is flash frozen, ground up, put in a capsule form. You don't have to mix it and try and drink it or choke it down. You just take the pills and that's it. You have your fruits and veggies for the entire day. Balanceofnature.com. Again, promo code Laura. All right, so let's go over the couple of people are like, where did you get this information on Judge? All right, so there was a FOIA lawsuit that is in the works here. Um, Pete Buttigieg denied a request by Senator Chuck Grassley, Republican of Iowa, for a phone call during his paternity leave. Documents obtained by PPT 
in a FOIA lawsuit with the Department of Transportation telling a much different story. And this is about Pete being available 24-7 for, you know, any any interview or any call that he needed. <clears throat> Contrary to the Secretary's explicit claims about taking phone calls, DOT rebuffed a request by Senator Chuck Grassley for a phone conversation with the Secretary during his paternity leave. While the supply chain crisis was raging, the Senator sought to discuss resolution of an issue involving a massive $1.2 billion bridge project that was nearing completion. Secretary Buttigieg's office spurned the senator's appeal for a call by stating, quote, unfortunately, the secretary is currently on leave due to the birth of his twins and suggesting that perhaps we can aim for a meeting when the secretary returns from his leave. Uh Uh-huh. Records show that the secretary had been on leave for nearly six weeks at this point. No prospective dates or times were offered, however, and Secretary Buttigieg's calendar reveals that he did not return from his paternity leave until weeks after Senator Grassley's request about the lack of formal uh, delegation of Secretary of Transportation's duties while he was on leave is another concern. They ended up finding out that not only was Pete Buttigieg not at work, there was no appropriate delegation of his duties to other people so they could handle his job while he was gone. Quote, the lack of a formal delegation of the secretary's authority also appeared to cause some havoc. Although the department regulations assign authority to the deputy secretary to take some actions, they leave authority for other tasks and responsibilities unclear. As a result, the secretary's leave evidently created turmoil within the department. In one incident, about a week after his leave began, attorneys across the department were forced to engage in a frantic conversation beginning on a Friday night and continuing through the weekend to resolve an issue of delegation of authority around a large loan program. Another heavily redacted conversation showed Department of Transportation attorneys were forced to determine the status of authority within the department to make legally mandated reports to Congress. None of this was done. And Pete Buttigieg wasn't at work making sure that it all got finished. Nor did he delegate his authority appropriately to make sure that it could get done. Instead of handling the chaos caused by the supply chain debacle, Buttigieg was creating more chaos in his own department. The director of PPT, Michael Chamberlain, released a statement, As a father myself, I understand that being a parent is the most important job in the world. He's the director of Protect the Public's Trust. But the Secretary of Transportation's obligations to the American public are 24-7. As Secretary Buttigieg has admitted, it appears as though during his paternity leave, he was not always available when called upon and did not have some necessary contingencies in place to ensure the continuity of operations at the Department of Transportation. Perhaps it is not a coincidence that so many crises involving the department from the supply chain breakdown to the FAA system outage that grounded flights all over the country have occurred on his watch. So, again, anybody locally who boosted this guy, you knew what you were doing. You knew you were sending somebody who was unqualified to D.C. This is what you get. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Casey Hendrickson. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Uh, let me let me ask you a couple of questions. Do you, re- just not regret, but do you dread drinking the water out of the tap in your house? Is it going to taste bad, smell bad, whether it's chlorine or something else? Uh, you look at the water and have floaties in it and stuff like that. Now, is it safe to drink? Yeah, probably. I mean, you know, unless you live in Gretchen Whitmer's world where she won't tell you if it's poisoned. 
is probably safe to drink, but it isn't pleasant. So how do you combat that? Do you just buy tons of bottled water? Do you buy the filters and then filter the water? I did that same thing. It's a bit of a hassle. And it's really annoying. And I don't like doing it. It takes up too much space, too much money. Uh, if you care about the pollution landfill issue, that's certainly not going to be conducive to what you want to do. So I contacted Spencer's Quality Water because I didn't like the taste of the water in my, my kitchen. I also really hate the hard water and what it was doing to my brand new appliances. I didn't like it with the old appliances either, but the old appliances were there before I moved in and the new appliances were mine. And so I wanted to protect them. And I already know that soft water protects and, and it really does extend the life of your appliances. Plus, it improves their performance dramatically. Your dishes are going to be cleaner. Uh, your water is obviously not going to leave calcium deposits everywhere. Your toilet tank isn't going to be brown and full of iron deposits. So Spencer's Quality Water came out. They did a water test. It was totally free. They did a water test. They recommended a whole house water softening system. They recommended the right system for the water usage in my home. And then a reverse osmosis system. So we had clean water coming out of the tap right there in my kitchen. It has been a game changer for us. The coffee tastes better. All of our juices taste better for the kids. The water that they drink is much better. It doesn't constantly smell like bleach. And, of course, the skin feels better when you get out of the shower. Your clothes are, are better when they come out of the washer. Your dishes are cleaner. Trust me on this. Get a free water test from Spencer's Quality Water. It takes about 15 to 20 minutes. Totally free. Contact Spencer's Quality Water today, 574-277-1111, 574-277-1111. Let them know I sent you to get your uh, three bags uh, free with salt, with salt delivery. Spencer's Quality Water. Make sure you follow us online, 953mnc.com for the latest breaking news. Michiana's morning news tomorrow morning starting 5 a.m. Uh, John Solo this week, so show him some love as well. We'll see you tomorrow afternoon. Bill